Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Dominic Patton. And I'm Pete Hammond. And this is the Deadline Podcast TV Talk. Today we're going to be discussing the Emmy contenders for Best Actor in a Drama Series. The Plus, big one. Yeah. The it, big it, one. It, it, yes. And uh, you'll hear my interview with Laura Linney and Dominic's interview with the cast of American Gods. That one's from our annual Emmy Contenders event. But right now, let's get dramatic and talk drama. So last year, well, last year's contender is not going to be a contender this year because Matthew Reese won for the Americans. Yes. Which... Had his final season last year, and I so, thought he would win. You did, you proved that well. Final and you know what? They, yeah. Him and Car- he and Kerry had had a rough ride with yeah. the Emmys. They, Very it was rough. Only, it was only at the end that they kind of that show had a rough ride. Sure I did. mean, you know, it was really just Margot Martindale for the first two or three years. Margot you know? Martindale will win an Emmy for anything. Okay, <laughs> it's true. Like, and she it's deserves true. it. I and she does. She's she's yeah. a, she's a legend and she's, she's amazing. Great. Yeah. But she can win Emmy for yeah. anything. But they finally did come to the party and recognize the Americans. Yes. Now here's another thing. So Matthew clearly is not going to be at the party this year yeah. just because the show's over. Another person who will not be at the party this year, though he was at a big party earlier this year, will be Rami Malek because Mr. Robot hasn't come back yet for another season, right. even though he might be okay just spending the Emmy night shining up his ass <laughs> for Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes. A person who hopefully really will get a good ride, I hope, is Bob Odenkirk. Better Call Saul, which was not eligible this last year because of just scheduling and the way it came back. You know, this Breaking Bad spinoff is actually probably at one point is going to Breaking Bad is going to be known as the precursor to Better Call Saul because this show is killing it year after year it's after great. year, getting very close to Breaking Bad canon and timeline in real time soon. Right, where you know. It, Saul will be showing up. Put it that way. <laughs> um, and there's a number of people in here, but I will say too. It's a hard one this year because there is a bohemoth in the room, and that is Game of Thrones, which is back now for its final season. Um, and that means Kit Harrington, Jon Snow, uh-huh. definitely will have another chance to lose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know think- it's always good to have that last chance to lose, <laughs> I say. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. But, like, but I will say this. Yeah. Like Matthew with the Americans, final season's always have a little tweak above. So I agree. you've got, and we talk about it every episode yeah. because I think it's an mm-hmm. awesome theory and yeah. I always want you to get credit for it. Yeah. You've been nominated before, you look like you get in the mix. If you've been a winner before, you get in the mix plus one. Right. It's a little bit like getting on the A A A O one seat on a Southwest flight. That's you get right. to go on first. Particularly but, with Emmys. But yeah. if you are in a final season, mm-hmm. I believe you even get upgraded a little bit more. And that's where I think Kit is actually a serious contender this year. Well, that depends how much they campaign that idea of him having the last shot. Everybody knows it's the final season for Game of Thrones. HBO is shouting it to the world. Uh, so they don't have to worry about that. But personally, he needs to separate himself from the pack and show why he deserves an Emmy for all of this time and that this is the last shot. So we'll see if he actually does it. It's interesting to me 
that Richard Madden won the Golden Globe came out of nowhere for the show Bodyguard. You know, nobody was really paying much attention to him at that point. Of course, the Golden Globes like to anoint new people. And also they, part of that, too, is that Bodyguard was a U.K. show that, yeah. that, was, that Netflix got on board with. It had huge numbers in the U.K. I mean— yeah. I liked the show up until the final episode where I think everything they, they completely lost the plot in my yeah. opinion. But the, the first several episodes was a really strong political thriller in which Richard was he definitely held his own among a pretty strong cast. He's a really good actor yeah. and he's yeah. one that's Game sort of, of walking alum. in. Game of Thrones alum. I know. Uh, always, There's so always, many of them. But I think that this Golden Globe recognition will be in all the ads with him. He's really well liked it seems by people that I seem to talk to in the yeah. industry, and uh, I, I've noticed already they're doing stuff with him, uh, FYC screenings and all of that, so he's going to be out there. I would say he, he's one that may break through into this group that has been pretty stable. You know, I mean, stable. you know, but I, but I think it's, I think, you know, you know this better than almost anyone, the, the, the world of the Golden Globes and the world of the Emmys are, they're in the same solar system, but they're not the same place. Right. And I, I think that Richard, I mean, I think... Brit, grit, Brit film shows do very well at the mm -hmm. Golden Globes. Yeah, this is a different range, a different yeah. regime, yeah. and I think it's going to play very hard when you're up against Milo and Sterling, the This Is Us boys, when you're up against Brian Cox, when you're up against Kevin Costner for Yellowstone, when you're up against Billy, you know, it, and Bob. I, I just think it's a very hard ride for Richard on this one. You, you, you. I feel like, I feel like a six-episode political thriller. Yeah. has a, a streaming service political thriller, is going to be fighting an uphill battle here. Now, why didn't you mention one that won the SAG Award? Jason Bateman, a television veteran. Uh, he uh, survived his own little crisis uh, mm -hmm. last year, still did very well here. Yeah. And, uh, and you know what I was talking about, a little, you know, he got caught up in that uh, Me Too. Uh, there was, I, I, you know, Jason has another, a number yeah. of members of the Arrested Development cast. Yeah. Unfortunately, gave some interviews where they maybe would, should have thought twice some of the things about they said. About that. I mean, but it wasn't something is, he did. No, no not he at all. He just gave it, an it, opinion. It was reflecting upon the action which of Which I actually think worked in his favor. He went on an apology tour. Exactly, exactly. And uh, came and he, even to my and, and actor's I th side. I think, he, I think he did what he needed to do, which yeah. is, you know, is, is, is I always think is the best thing. Like, you made a mistake, say sorry, and yeah. say sorry again. He was smart. Yeah. And that, you know what? Good. But Jason's a smart guy. And, and Jason, smart. you know, Ozark is clearly his baby. And, and always has been. trajectory all the way up. That is a show that is building. I keep using that phrase for different shows with their Emmy possibilities. But uh, Jason Bateman is definitely going to be in this, not only in the acting categories, but in some of the crafts on directing and, you know, and producing and everything he does here. I think there's respect for him for being a guy that has been in this business as long as anybody right now yeah. and uh, and has really played his career nicely in terms of acting and uh, and now going behind the scenes. But too. I will tell you two people who I think definitely deserve recognition here, which is the the leading men of billions, which is one of my favorite shows all over. I mean yeah. back back for you its know, current you season like recently. That show. You love that, like that show. show. It's more than like and yeah. Damian Lewis, Homeland alum, yeah. and of course the incredible Paul Giamani who is Alum of everything. Yes. At one point or another. He's so good. I really think the guys deserve recognition here. I mean, I you know, if, if if I could pull Emmy strings solo for one minute, they would both get nominated and then they would just have to fight it out like they do on the show. Yeah. Um, but they're really, really strong performances year after year that deserve deserve the recognition. You know, there's a lot of people who know how to play the campaign game. Yeah. There are a lot of people who look, you just stop and go, look, that's an amazing performance. There's no two right. ways about it. 
But these two guys, they have been so solidly exceptional year after year on this show. It's time for them to get their time in the spotlight. Well, they just got it from you. Yep. And that's probably going to be it. Ouch. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> let's talk about the ones why that are I, more. Why do I think a soon-to-be-indicted uh, uh, day trader is going to be named Pete Hammond on the next season of Billions? But let's talk about the ones that will be nominated. Now, um, you know what? Milo uh, Ventimiglia had a whole season in Vietnam. And he, he was great in the season that he died on this show, the last one. You know, I really think he's good. Sterling K. Brown gets all the attention Emmy-wise for this show. Even though Milo's nominated, he seems to be and also ran destined to sit there. But I do know they are really pushing the Vietnam angle for him now. And, um, and, it, and it is a challenging role in, in the scheme of things. You, you know, you go, where are they going to go with this character? They've already shown how he's died. What do they do? And I think he did, he did a good job. And I really, I like him. And so he's a likable um, well, guy. Emmy, nominate, Emmy voters are a sucker for a good Vietnam narrative arc. Yeah, <laughs> they may be. You go uh, back to Southeast yeah. Asia, you get nominated. Yeah, hey, yeah. you mentioned um, Kevin Costner. Now, Kevin Costner is interesting. Yellowstone. It's uh, he came out of nowhere to win an Emmy. His uh, that first great unknown Emmy. actor Kevin Costner. Yes, yeah, but he yeah. won for Hatfields and McCoys, which quite no, frankly but, really surprised me. I'll tell you, people <laughs> love. I wouldn't underestimate people him. People love to dance with the wolf, my friend. They oh. just do. Like they just, Kevin Costner is is a a star who became. Uh, I would say a legend. Like yeah. at some point, he is. He's Bull, Bull Durham was one thing, but the yeah. career you look at that Oscar wins, and then there was a down period where he did some supporting. I, I never turn off when I come across a, a movie of his where he plays a sports coach and, and on he, anything, and usually yeah. at three o'clock in the morning on HBO. But mm -hmm. I think that he, I think he's a really, really strong actor. And Kevin Costner with a cowboy hat on goes go, cuts a lot of cloth with a lot of people. Absolutely. And guess what? A lot of these people. That may not have even seen Yellowstone will be seeing him in the Highwaymen on Netflix, uh, which is in their movie division. So Netflix isn't calling that a TV movie, even though it is because it's on TV. But that's a whole other discussion. But nevertheless, they will be watching him, and he's terrific with Woody Harrelson in the Highwaymen, and that's another plus for him this year that people can just sit back and watch on Netflix as they're watching all the Emmy uh, Netflix movies and uh, TV shows. Yeah. So I think he's got a. A real shot. I tell way you who another. has zero shot, which is Sean Penn. Yeah, for the, yeah, just I, like I don't that, see that, that happening. That, that you know, from the creator of House of Cards, well, the, the original showrunner of House of Cards, Bob Williamson, and that the first, it just, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to yeah. ever, ever be 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 blithe about this or pithy or make any analogies to the Challenger tragedy or anything like that, but that thing just did not get off the launch pad. No, and um, I don't see him. I mean, he is Sean Penn, but I don't think that means a hell of a lot with the Television Academy. I don't think so either. I think his first television. <laughs> I think his first television series. I mean, look, they canceled it. Hulu canceled it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it might have been his first and last. Not every Oscar winner or movie star or whatever our great loved actor can come into television and automatically expect someone to say, "You're here. Let's give you an Emmy." That doesn't happen. It's got to be. There's got to be some good content. People want to see 
stuff and they want to you know they want to sit through something that they can stand in addition to having that actor in it and uh, this Sean Penn show didn't go anywhere so I would be shocked yeah. if that got any recognition uh, at the Emmys this year I don't think it will but I do like Sean Penn a lot uh, as an actor um, there's a bunch of other names we could throw out Leah Schreiber who's never won for Ray Donovan uh, has been nominated quite a few times uh, don't underestimate that. They obviously like yeah. Liev Schreiber. Stephen, Stephen James, who was, uh, who, who was in If Bill Street Could Talk and is in Homecoming. There's yes. There. You know, James Franco, The Doctors, Freddie Highmore. The thing is about the drama, you know, and, and, and I, 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 in the beginning I called this the big one because it clearly, it clearly is. You, you do have a plethora of riches right now. You know, I mean, to use an example, which I know you, you, might, you might dismiss, but, you know, to say who's the leading man on Game of Thrones, that depends what week it is, right? Well, you exactly. Know? I mean, that's a and, problem. And and I, I think that with a lot of these, it's very hard. We can make predictions. We, we can make, you know, people can even, once the nominees are announced, people can make predictions about who it's going to be. But I really think when it comes to the Emmys in this particular category, this is totally a wide shot. You just oh, don't know. There's so many, so many, I would say there's billions of contenders. Ouch. I think then with that, I think you have someone you'd like to introduce. I do. I do. I want to introduce uh, somebody, actually, the co-star of Jason Bateman, who we were just talking about, Laura Linney, a multiple Emmy winner herself for various shows uh, over the years, uh, has a really interesting role as Wendy on this series, uh, which I think a lot of people have seen and are now starting to discover on Netflix as well. And she's terrific as usual. I had a good time talking to her about her career and about her latest uh, television triumph here on Ozark. This is so great here to talk to you. I have seen you uh, many times over the years, mm -hmm. a lot in Telluride. A lot in Telluride, Colorado. Yeah, mm -hmm. that did change your life, that vi first visit to Telluride. They gave you what they call a medallion, and it was an award, one of the <laughs> awards they handed out that year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you went there? I went there, and it was 2004. And uh, the the man who was the liaison for me there from the festival, who, you know, who greeted me at the airport and showed me around and made sure that I made it from place to place, I married him. <laughs> 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 I married him, and we have a child. <laughs> and so that festival really, uh, really changed my life in many, many ways. And isn't I that amazing? That's like fake. Isn't it unbelievable? <laughs> I mean, you know. So never say no to a film festival. <laughs> that, that, was the, that was the lesson there. Especially that one. And, Especially that one, and which is the best. And you get to spend a lot of time in Telluride. I do, outside. I do. We yeah. have a, a home there, and we try and get there as much as we can. And yeah. it's the type of film festival where artists actually can speak to other artists, and people get to really talk to each other. And, yeah. and the people who are, who are like you, the, the press, and the people who represent that part of the industry are, are, are beautifully sort of everybody gets to really just sort of hang together and say hi and it's a it's a great environment for people to go and a wonderful place for directors to have their their film land for the first time yeah because it's it's first and foremost it's a festival for for the audience yeah. and for the directors to like to slowly have us have a the first place for them to to show their movie, so it's a and I was there that year when you got that award, and, mm -hmm. and that was great because that was earlier. In it your was. Career. It was two thousand and four, and they're was, basically giving you a career. I award was young. Time. Yeah, <laughs> I was young. It was very surprising. Yeah. yeah, but you'd had a hell of a career up to that point too. I mean, you, you've done so many interesting, different projects with great directors, mm -hmm. and you know when I mentioned all those awards and those nominations, because you pick your projects very carefully, I think. Well, and they pick me. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's a, 
I think there's a myth that you get to handpick what you want to do. I think there may be like three or four people who really get to do that. And for me, it's just I've been lucky that interesting things have, have come along. Yeah. And I'm not picky about the size of the role. Mm -hmm. And I'm, you know, most of the time, I've thankfully have been able to, you know, live off of the smaller budget um, fees. And <laughs> so that's, that's all been good. And that's okay. Well, you've got a lot of big roles. Do you, do you, um, you know, I, I, when you talk about the size of the roles, there was one movie you did I, I was fascinated by, is Sully. That was the oh, yeah. second time you worked yeah. with Clint Eastwood third. as a director. That was third, the third time. time. Mm -hmm. Because you had done Mystic River and. Um, absolute Power. That's right, Absolute mm -hmm. Power, too. Yeah. And yeah. in this one, I noticed, I go, God, this, this might be a tough role. You were on the phone yeah, was most <laughs> of the time by yourself. I was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, there are certain people in the world who I will, I will do anything for. Uh -huh. And Clint is one of them. And if he wants me to be on the other end of a phone, I'll be on the other end of the phone. <laughs> You'll do it. Yeah. And you did yeah. it so well, though. I go like. Well, Tom Hanks was on the other end of the phone. Oh, Thankfully, I had a, you know, he was incredibly generous. Oh, so he and actually was. He on was the actually other end. on the other end of the phone in California, and I think we were. I forgot where we filmed that. Atlanta, I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but there, there are a few people. You know, if they whisper my name, I will show up for them. And, and Clint's one of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is Bill Condon one of them? Absolutely. He yes. Is. I love Absolutely. Bill Condon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Mr. Holmes. Me I loved too. Uh, with Ian McKellen that mm -hmm. you did. Mm -hmm. And um, oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah, uh, yeah. Obviously, Kinsey, which yeah. brought you an Academy Award nomination. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. yeah. So do you, you look at those directors and say, that's it. I just want to work in this kind of environment, even though your agents may say, hey, we can get you a big payday for doing something. Yeah, you no, there, there's, some, there's some people I don't even have to read the script. I'm like, you know, there's something. Will you do it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll read it, but I already know I'm going to do it before I even yeah. open it. You know, what's interesting, too, you're going back again to do Marianne Singleton. You've yes. done it. Uh, four times now, I think. Four this, this was the four, This is the fourth incarnation. In yes. different, many years apart, yeah. revisiting this character, yeah. which a lot yeah. of actors don't get the opportunity to do that experience. I, I don't know. I, I, I have a hard time thinking of another experience where there's been a, a group of people who then come back 25 years later and continue the story on. So yeah. it's, um, it's been very exciting to do. And it's, it's timely. You know, it's the right time to do it. I think there's a, a new generation of people. We've skipped over two generations now, really, from the first one. Yeah. And I think the political climate is, is such that something like this is needed. And, and uh, I think there's definitely an audience for it. And hopefully it'll do a little good in the world. Yeah. And what is it like for you personally to keep going back to this character at different points in her life? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really wonderful. And it does, it makes you think about you know, not only how the character has evolved and changed, but how I've changed and evolved and what my life was like then. And I think it was 1992 or 93 when I first did right. it. And it was, yeah. you know, film and television for me w have been the big surprise in my life. Yeah. I love working in television and I love working on film, but it was nothing, I was not one of those people who thought I got to be in the movies. You know, yeah. I was a theater kid. Oh, yeah. And I was very intimidated by film and TV. Not not snobby about it, but just I didn't understand it. I didn't think I'd earned a place there. I Cameras always made me uncomfortable. And Tales was the first job where, I, and I remember the moment it happened, I was like the penny dropped. I was filming in a Safeway grocery store with Parker Posey, and we were in the frozen food section. We were going, each had a big, huge, clunky cart in front of us mm -hmm. with this long tracking shot walking down. And I was having so much fun. 
<laughs> and I remember thinking, oh my God, I think maybe I can do this. Really? I think this is something I might <laughs> enjoy. And this, is this something I actually want to keep doing? And uh, you know, it was a real it was a real turning point. So Tails represents a lot to me. Yeah. You know, and the friendships that I made there, and I named my son after Armistead Maupin, and you know. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> it did mean his, a lot. His yeah. middle name is Armistead. He's he's one of the best men I've ever known, and his spirit and his philosophy of life and his the way he treats others is is something that I that I know I need in my life as often as possible. So. And with that, I had. For the second time, actually, uh, the privilege of sitting down with the cast of American God, Stars' series based on Neil Gaiman's acclaimed novel of the same name. They were once again at our Emmys Contenders event. They joined us for the first season. They came and joined us to talk about season two, and it got a little bit divine. There's so much to talk to, but I just want to say, you know, you guys in, in the second season, you know, there's been, you guys, you, you had... You revamped things, and you also kind of went back to the source material of Neil Gaiman's acclaimed novel, which this is based on, which always deserves a round of applause, anything involving the word Neil Gaiman. Um, but we've really, the, the stakes have been really, have really risen in season two of American Gods. And, and I, know, I know a little bit of some episodes that are coming up in the next couple of weeks that are kind of mind-blowing and time-traveling. But I have to ask you, Ian, we got to see the God sphere. And we got to see what everything looked like behind the curtain, or as, as, as I believe someone refers to as the backstage. Tell us a little bit about what that was like, because that was uh, a little mind-blowing. Well, well, you have to, I think season two goes back to the book more, and, bait, and you get to know the gods that were hinted at in the series one. It got a little too, I mean, it's all very well having those extraordinary sequences and the coming to America, but you have to get back to the source material to know the people. And you got to know about Sweeney, and you get to know about Laura and their journey. Ricky, not just Ricky and me, Ricky has now to take off, which I think he does in this, this, this series too, his own and becomes more of a, an active protagonist. And at the end, setting the stage for series three, which is, I don't think I'm giving anywhere to say, it'll be Lakeside, if anybody's read the book, and they got, which gives the crew, whoever, well, not whoever, now we've decided Chick Eggley's our new showrunner with a new series of writers, the opportunity to explore more of the book and the extraordinary sort of ideas that Michael and Brian brought to the original series in terms of going out beyond it because Neil Gaiman wrote a blueprint for a great road trip world show about and the gods but you have to get to know the gods as they were I mean we did that sequence and it was all you know beers and whatever and then they did all that uh, rotoscoping afterwards which is you got to know all the old gods and whatever and then ended up in the, the diner with the firing squad I don't know um, where, where should we go with episode three anybody any ideas <laughs> I mean, you might as well, you know, we talk about it, but the book is such a, you know, I've read the book again as well, and it's really terrific, I mean, I've read it a few times, but it's really got some extraordinary stuff to explore still, so there's a couple of seasons over going through the book and going through the outside, extraordinary imagination, we hope, of our new showrunners, and with that, thank you. All right. Mic drop. <laughs> We're done. We're done. Guys, the, the two of you, the relationship that's developed between Laura and Mad Sweeney in this is one where clearly not liking each other and now moving to a place where there's obviously other elements going on. The book and, and now in season two, as we saw, there's a, it's a, a sort of seamless road movie and, and a road series and taking these characters literally and figuratively places. Give us, a, I want to know between the two of you as the relationship has developed, what has that been like for the two of you of ac as actors and what kind of reaction have you had? 
Uh, I mean, I think one of the one of the great things that uh, Brian and Michael did in the first season in in making it into a TV show was taking a road trip that was initially uh, a story about Wednesday and Shadow on a long journey where they meet a whole bunch of... That would be these of, two? That would be these two, where they meet a whole bunch of wacky characters. You know, it's a, it's a road trip movie with wacky characters that are gods, right? Uh, they took that... that um, idea and expanded it by by elevating these two characters to a secondary a B storyline essentially and i think one of the things that it did was open up open it up into the possibility of a TV series where you have more characters to care about. Um, and, and I think that was effective in season one that, that the audience did care about these two as well as, you know, the, the, the main plot line. And, um, and in the second uh, series, you know, we, we, we have a certain repartee, we have a certain chemistry working together that is, is my favorite thing about working on the show. Um, and, and one of the things that sort of uh, saved all the, all the hullabaloo and, and, and madness of, of shooting the second series was having Emily to kind of bounce off of and create stuff together. So uh, when you're gifted that uh, opportunity to work with somebody that you really enjoy and have a certain chemistry with, uh, you, you take it when you can. So I, it, I'm very happy about that. It also is kind of, I mean, the, the fact that we work well together sort of in, ended up informing the storyline of the characters because in the book, Laura and Sweeney never meet and Sweeney is like out of it very quickly and Laura kind of appears every now and again almost like only really in relation to Shadow um, and so they put us together in season one and I don't think that it was ever really the plan to have us kind of staying together as the B story but I think there's just something I, about I think it was. I think oh, it was. It? Yeah, it was pitched to me as, as uh, Bonnie and Clyde with a zombie and a leprechaun. So thanks for listening to the Deadline Podcast TV Talk. Make sure, as we always tell you and we always plug, that you subscribe to us on iTunes so you never miss Pete and I talking about what's going to happen next. And, of course, you can find all of our Emmy-breaking news coverage at Deadline.com. So thanks for joining us. Talk to you soon. Keep watching. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.